You can join the fight to defend employee-funded and association PACs by texting NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. This show is brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. And I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. If you're listening to this podcast, then you likely know that our industry is widely misunderstood and increasingly under attack. Here at NABPAC and on this show, we work tirelessly to set the record straight. We are actively engaged on Capitol Hill in a campaign to educate members and their staff about the importance and value of employee-funded and trade association PACs. We are, after all, the original campaign finance reform. Our PACs are transparent and accountable. They are the most effective way for employees in every sector to band together with voluntary contributions to support pro-business policies and reforms. Thankfully, we are not alone in our efforts. And today, Michaela, we're excited to have on the show the president and CEO of a bipartisan, membership-supported, mission-driven organization working to improve the political climate in America for business. Coming up, our conversation with Tim Reardon of BIPAC. You know, Adam, BIPAC was founded in 1963, and their mission to help employers and employees play a more active role in public policy in the political process is even more important today. Oh, that's exactly right. And within an overall government affairs engagement strategy, the PAC remains an important tool that amplifies U.S. voters' voices. And as we'll discuss with Tim in a minute, don't believe the hype. The fact is employee-funded and trade association PACs represented only 5% of the total campaign spending in the 2020 election. Indeed. And now for my official duties. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam. And now on to our discussion with Tim Reardon, President and CEO at BIPAC. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks, Michaela. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Very excited to be here. Well, great. Well, I want to start with a question I have posed to scholars and business leaders who have joined our show this year. Are employee-funded and association PACs still relevant today? Yes, and absolutely necessary. To provide balance to the campaign finance world is important that every voter, every worker out there has an opportunity to support and hear from organizations that they are part of. And to eliminate a segment of the PAC community is to do a disservice to that voting population and segment of voters. So we want to move back to, we've been talking a lot about the events of January 6th, and I just want to see if you can take us inside the C-suites of BIPAC membership in the aftermath of the events of January 6th. What are their discussions focused on with regard to political giving and, and government affairs more broadly? I think initially the discussions were around the continuity of government and what was happening. I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty. And as you know, the business community does not like uncertainty, something that impacts businesses. It is something that impacts global markets. And there was a lot of concern over what was going to happen at a broader scale outside of just the government affairs realm. As there was a, um, a little more light shed, you saw a range of responses. The discussions happening inside of our membership and, and our membership represents 
every con we have members that represent every congressional district in the United States. So there was not a single answer. There was no uniform response. I think, as you you know, there were some knee-jerk responses. There were some non-responses, and frankly, it was up to that organization and that member to to come up with what they believed was the appropriate response. And as a business, there's a responsibility to their shareholders and their stakeholders. And the response that we've seen most was to put a pause on contributions and to reevaluate criteria. And I think that it's an important point to make too about the role of PACs is not just campaign finance, it's also about endorsements and about providing information about candidates and where they stand on the issues to the eligible class or for the members that are part of that pack. And that seems to get lost a little bit in this narrative and, and become all about money. And it is not all about money. There is a real service that PACs provide to their members and to, to the broader community, as I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit, because of the events of January 6th and the pandemic that we've been dealing with for the past year. But in terms of political giving and government affairs, I think we see coming into light now that there's been a reevaluation of criteria. And that's something that we advise our members to do every cycle. This is not something that is static by any means. And we look at it and say, it's something that we did as for our pack and looked at and said, what are our giving criteria? Where do they align with the values and with our with ours and have actually reevaluated, redone and publish them to make them transparent to anyone who is a donor to BIPAC's action fund. So Tim, companies and business, their engagement in politics is most certainly nothing new, but it does take lots of different forms. What value does BIPAC see here in 2021 in bolstering the so-called EDE communications, employer to employee communications? How important is that relationship and where is BIPAC guiding folks on this? That relationship is integral with employees across the board, not just the eligible class. And as I alluded to earlier, the pandemic and the need to work virtually and the impact that it had on the election last year, where there was so many changes that took place about where you could vote, how you could vote, what the deadlines were on a state-by-state -state basis, that information needed to come from a trusted resource. And as we've seen from studies produced by Edelman, by BIPAC, your employer is your most trusted resource. There is so much distrust of the media. There is so much information out there that comes from sources that are unreliable and you cannot be uh, sure of that people depend on their employer for information about that. So what we've advised and we've seen many of our members do was to communicate with all of their employees about voting information, where they could vote, how they could vote, and offering resources such that they would be informed voters. I think that's fascinating. We're hearing this a lot from people across the industry, Tim. It is a way to keep faith with employees and that broader government affairs audience, which might have been quite narrow in days past, has really widened. So all of this muscle memory, all of this ability to pass credible information, it's more important than maybe we ever understood before. I would just put it, I would put a number to that. Actually, we've been doing a survey uh, post-election since uh, 2012, 
And in 2012, 26% of employees who recalled receiving information about issues from their employer were motivated to vote. That number jumped to over 60% by 2018. And that is part of a GOTV. That is part of, of the efforts of business to engage and inform their employees. So in terms of quantifying that, you see an absolute jump in an ROI on business engagement. And Tim, I would even argue too, you know, in our surveys and coming out of the pause at the end of March, we were pleasantly surprised to learn that very few businesses actually lost a lot of PAC members as a result of the events of January 6th. And, you know, there was a lot of media swirl and there was a lot of negativity out there. But the fact is, is that I think because, and I know because I've been a practitioner of the E2E model, the fact that our companies and organizations have been communicating with their employees consistently for the last 15 to 20 years, we're now seeing that play out in real time in this crisis because I think they did trust their employer with that information and understood that that information was coming from a trusted source. And so we were very pleasantly surprised to see very little drop off in support of the employer's PACs. You know, NAPAC and BIPAC are obviously both working very hard at correcting the false narratives and the media about employee funded PACs. But in Congress, the battle lines continue to move on this issue. As you know, the Banned Corporate PACs Act, H.R. 2692, was just recently reintroduced by Representative Josh Harder. Democrat from California, and then Representative Jared Golden, Democrat of Maine. And now we see Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas joining Congressman Gates and swearing off employee-funded PAC contributions. So I'm curious where you see this trend going. I don't really see it going anywhere, uh, frankly. I, I think that the hubris that was shown by Senator Cruz to eliminate a portion of his supporters and his donors that are working and contributing to PACs and make a solicitation to donate to him directly in the same op-ed in, in the Wall Street Journal was really something that did not sit well with me and I know for a number of our members. It is really a matter that he has personalized a fight against certain CEOs and certain companies, and he is punishing employees and telling them that don't contribute to your PAC, contribute to me directly in my agenda. And PACs are there to support issues and support candidates that support those issues, not to be a vehicle to just support an individual candidate. And I think that what Senator Cruz is trying to do is a real disservice to, to the PAC community overall, not just corporate PACs, but PACs in general, because he is personalizing this and trying to demonize PACs and fundraise off of that narrative. It seems obvious that the demonization is there because Senator Cruz in particular has proffered that he is seeking retribution against corporations and corporate PACs, that they not only can't give to him, he won't accept, but that he won't lend an ear to any of the issues. And that is really problematic. As if to say that somehow there was a pay to play that he's disengaging from. We know that was never there. How do you tackle or fight against this? In this particular case, we have publicly asked Senator Cruz to correct the record and to correct what he has positioned corporate PACs as and, and to create this or to continue the narrative that it is the CEO of a company that somehow directs PAC giving or somehow influences 
pack behavior in, in an overstated way is, again, an absolute falsehood and goes against everything that we've been working since since 1963 to, to really uh, to, to make sure. So for us, it's a matter of creating content and resources for our members to educate their eligible class and to educate the greater business community and all voters about the roles of PACs. And, and I think that's incumbent upon BIPAC, upon NAPAC to make sure that we continue to fight that fight and, and make sure that that message is clearly stated about what employee-funded PACs are. Tim, before we move on, because we want to get into some voter turnout issues, one of the things BIPAC has long done is really vetted the pro-business candidates for the business community and really been a go-to resource for us and all of us in the business community to understand truly who on both sides of the aisle are supporting the policies of the business community. And, And I'm just curious what you're seeing. I know it's early in the cycle, so you may not have a lot of intel at the moment, but just given this polarization, given so many dollars from small dollar contributors on the fringes of the left and the right. Are you concerned about the business community's ability to support as many candidates as we once did, just given the direction that we've been in the last couple of months? There's a concern that will always exist because of the narrative that we've been fighting. And I'll I'll add, I was reading a book and it was talking about how PACs are vilified and it was published in 1992. So long before Citizens United, long before any of these other, you know, before dark money came into the lexicon, PACs have been vilified. So this is nothing new. It's been going on for 30 years. What we've done for our PAC, for for our action fund is develop a, a outward facing website that will collect small dollar donations and go after individual donors who are what we call value voters. And they're looking for candidates and looking for us to identify candidates who are willing to work, who are pro jobs, pro growth, and are going to advance policy that is going to allow for entrepreneurship and for growth and for us to come out of pandemic. So I think it's not impossible, but it's challenging. And we will work hard to identify those candidates and to raise their profile because I think they get hidden by some of the more gregarious candidates whose rhetoric is more than their policy positions. Tim, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I really want to turn back this conversation for the audience, the facts about PACs, to talk about voter turnout and how impactful a role businesses can play in helping people to get registered and then ultimately get to the polls and vote and understand the issues. You have a great perspective at both the federal and at the state level. Talk to us. Is there a new reality for get out the vote efforts in this context? Yes, I think that we were trending in that direction. I, I think as businesses and the business community and, and everyone from the parties, unions, businesses, nonprofits were advancing their get out the vote efforts. And the pandemic really shifted us into a digital medium and, and not being able for our members to host events and for us to bring in uh, candidates to, to meet with PAC members. So yes, that has changed. And with the tools that are available now, to businesses, you're going to see a continued effort for business to engage with the electorate and to get them out to offer them resources, whether it's paid time off to vote, whether it is information about where they can vote. In the last election, we saw some businesses open up their facilities to allow for voting because of of pandemic-related restrictions. 
and just the educational component. And we saw more than 158 million presidential ballots cast. Former President Trump received more votes than any other presidential candidate in history except for President Biden. And that turnout is a direct result of those GOTV efforts. We've been doing this since 2014. We started Employee Voter Registration Week, where we work with a couple hundred partners and businesses to register those voters. But you've seen over 2,200 companies have individual GOTV efforts in this past cycle. So, Tim, what technology and outreach innovation has BIPAC embraced in the last year? And what advice do you have for PAC managers listening to this episode about where to focus their efforts on fundraising and digital engagement going forward? Sure. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. We've had a couple of enhancements that we've provided to our members to engage really are around Voter Resource Center, again, uh, providing information, a digital congressional directory so that members can reach out to not just the officials, but also staff. And lastly, we are rolling out next week a regulatory grassroots tool, which will allow for stakeholders to comment on the rulemaking process, which is a very mundane and probably very not well understood process, but it is important for their voice to be heard. So those are the tools that we've done and continue to provide templates and communication templates that are not solicitations. I think as we, as I mentioned earlier, the importance of engaging with both your uh, restricted class as well as your employees and stakeholders was something a little bit new for, for a lot of PAC managers. So providing them with, with templates and messaging and how to make sure that they legally did not accidentally solicit ineligibles was something that uh, we produced quite a bit of. As far as advice, there's no magic wand I wish I could wave, but I think Number one is increased transparency, making sure that people know what is going on, what are the criteria. As you know, PACs are so regulated that information is going to get out anyway or be published anyway on the FEC website. So be open about it. Um, Communicate again with stakeholders, non-solicitation engagement, re-engagement with lapsed donors. I know we did not see as, you know, I echo your sentiments that we did not see a major fall off of a lot of PAC donors. And we've actually started to see an uptick now in in PAC participants, which is a great thing. But going back to re-engage, one of the interesting items that we've noted from from our members' websites is that a lot of PAC managers' contact information is now on that website. So availing a resource to call and ask questions because there is a lot of misinformation even within within the company. So giving them a resource to call and and ask questions and and clear the record. And finally, education about PACs, creating PAC ambassadors internally, creating a peer-to-peer program or PAC match program. So connecting the activities of the PAC to the community and to other employees is, is a really important way of creating that communication channel and educating folks. So it goes back to engagement, education, and those are the hallmarks and fundamentals that BIPAC has stood by for quite a long time. And that hasn't changed. Much has, but that remains the same. Well, Tim, as a former BIPAC board member and an early adopter of the E2E tools and services, I just want to thank you and everyone at BIPAC for all the great work that you've done on behalf of the business community. And we just can't wait to see what comes down the road in this election cycle. Looking forward to learning more about the candidates that you all will be supporting going forward. Tim Reardon, president and CEO of BIPAC, thank you so much for joining us today on the Facts About PACs podcast. 
Thank you. And thanks to everyone listening and sharing the number one PAC podcast in America. The Facts About PACs podcast is dedicated to promoting the most transparent and regulated form of political giving and the amazing professionals who lead their employee-funded and business trade association PACs. Coming up next week, Tommy Goodwin, president of the National Institute of Lobbying and Ethics, joins us on this podcast. Until then, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.